Welcome to Growth Marketing Camp, where we sit down with our favorite marketers to demystify growth and give you the insights to help turn your next campaign into a major success. Let's get into it. Okay, everybody, welcome to another episode of Growth Marketing Camp. I am joined here by Julia Heeson, who's the head of marketing for a company you've probably all heard of, Predictable Revenue, the name, the brand being made famous a few years back. And it is a sales outsourcing firm. We'll learn a little bit more from Julia about what she does there and what the company does. But Julia, welcome to the show. We appreciate you making time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great to be here. Give us a little bit of your background, Julia. You've, you've got a past in marketing. You're passionate about marketing. But how did you get into your current role? Yeah, sure. So I'm originally from Germany. I moved to Mexico. And when I tried to search for a job, I knew I wanted to yeah, do something in the marketing area. So I came across Brickle Revenue and I started in social media marketing and yeah, just steadily with it as the company grew, my responsibilities grew and now I'm heading the marketing team here. That's awesome. Yeah. You've been there about two and a half years. It looked like, and it's yeah. a great trajectory for you. Congratulations on, on the moves within the company. Thank you. Uh, tell me a little bit about Predictable Revenue, what the company does and for who's your target audience that you work with. Sure. Yeah. So most people know the book Critical Revenue, like the best-selling book by Aaron Ross. And Aaron Ross is actually yep. our co-founder. So he and Colin Stewart um, founded Critical Revenue, the company. And we, as the company, we help other companies multiply their revenue by either helping them um, with their existing sales teams. So by coaching, consulting, assessments, or they can actually rent our SDRs. So we have SDR pods, and then we do the sales side for them. So that's nice. what we're all about. This is good. I think this will be a particularly interesting episode for everyone listening because it's a competitive industry. As someone who formerly founded, co-founded two different agencies, I've been in that world and it's tough to differentiate. It's tough to prove that enough for somebody to trust you with even consulting, even just mm-hmm. teaching their own reps internally how to do a book, especially outsourcing. So be really interested to hear how you're targeting those folks and educating them. Let's get straight into this campaign that you've been thinking about that I'm excited to talk about. Tell us, what was the goal of the campaign? How do you describe it internally? What do you name it, I guess, first of all? Yeah, so the campaign is our virtual conference called Own Your Growth. Own Your Growth is actually one of our company values. So we thought it makes total sense to own your growth by coming to our conference and just like educating yourself. So yeah, virtual conference, everything's gotten remote with COVID and such. Yeah, of Uh, course. So we thought... What was the goal of this campaign in particular? So getting people to the conference, who were you trying to get there? And I guess what was the hope that they would walk away with or that they would do afterward? Yeah. So the main goal was brand awareness and to create connections with our audience and with other companies. So really building connections through a remote conference because we weren't able to build those connections going to your conference. And we were targeting sales and marketing leaders and practitioners. So that's our ICP, our sales and marketing leaders. And then the practitioners are the yeah. ones currently working in the role. And then in a couple of years, they might remember us and get back to us. Yeah. Makes total sense. And so is that the strategy when you work with practitioners from your content perspective? Are you trying to get in the minds of practitioners for years down the road when they're in that leadership role? Or are you hoping they'll sell this up the food chain? Hey, we could really use some of the things Predictable Revenue is talking about. Just curious how you guys are thinking about that. Both. Totally both. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so you were trying to get folks to this conference. You had a good sense of who you wanted to get there. Talk to us about the channels that you were using to promote the campaign because I saw a good deal of this. I remember when it first was coming out that you guys did a lot on social at the very least, but I'd love to hear what else you guys were using and, and break it down. 
Yeah, a big piece was, was email marketing. So we have a newsletter with a pretty decent list size. So we promoted it, it through the newsletter on a weekly basis. And then we had an email push. So a dedicated email to our audience talking about the conference. Of course, social media was a big piece for us. So LinkedIn mainly, and then a little bit on Twitter and Facebook. And then we had affiliate programs going on. So we had some sponsors, not paid sponsorships, but just in the agreement, we'll share the list, we'll share some contacts, we sure. can add your logo. And that actually brought in a, a big bunch of participants to our conference. That's fantastic. Did you have any, you don't have to name the partner, but any types of partners that particularly were maybe the most beneficial for you guys in terms of gathering the right audience to the event? Yeah, just like to name a couple, we had like sales hacker outreach on our side. And then, yeah, some others, I I won't name them all, but yeah, kind of partners we knew that they had the same audience as we do. Yeah. One of the things I've always admired about sales hacker, they've done such a great job curating like just the most clean, actionable content. I only wrote for them once and I remember how very specific their guidelines are. So I know, I'm sure that the audience for you guys was perfect fit, a really nice partnership there with Sales Hacker. Outreach obviously owns Sales Hacker and a phenomenal company to partner with in any regard for anything sales related. So that totally makes sense. Talk to me a little bit about the email marketing component. Let's break down the email marketing. How many lists were you marketing to? Do you have one massive database of just everyone who's ever subscribed or do you have subsets of that? Or like, were you targeting leadership with different messaging than maybe the practitioners themselves? For this specific campaign, we didn't. So it's really one big list that we were targeting. And then we have some lists that are depending on their engagement. So if they're very engaged, we know they've been to a couple of our events. So we target them differently than people that nice. maybe they're part of our list, but they're not very engaging. But yeah. yeah, very nice. And I'm just curious, what platform do you use for managing your email marketing? Autopilot at this point. Cool. Very nice. All right. Now, what in your mind made this campaign stand out from all the other campaigns? You've obviously, as head of marketing and coming from social marketing at the same company, this is one of many campaigns you've run. What was eye-opening about this campaign or what made you want to call this one out? It was the biggest campaign we've done. It was a two-day event. It was huge for us. It was like this big thing. Okay. Our own virtual conference. We had 25 speakers, roughly 4,000 registrants, I believe over 10 sponsors. So it was just like very big for us and everybody like within the company, we had a couple of people participating as speakers. We had people helping promote it. So it was just like the whole company was very excited about this, which made it great. How did you sell that internally? I'm, I'm curious because that's part of it is get everybody in inside the company to be excited, to share it online, to talk to their customers and others about it. Yeah, it definitely helped that we had a lot, a lot of people involved in the, the process. So we had Sarah was, most people know Sarah Hicks. She's one of our podcast hosts. She hosted and moderated the show together with Colin. Um, Then we had another person who was, had her own session. And then a lot of people were actually, we reached out to them, hey, could you help with live chat? Or we had our sales reps be part of, I don't know, with the Slack community taking care of questions. So we had a lot of people involved internally. And also we had an incentive for people that weren't involved to help promote it. So I, I don't know, I think we had a giveaway, something that they could win. So nice. basically help share the word and then maybe you can win something. Okay. There were a lot of gems in that. So I love the giveaway idea. <laughs> I want you to talk about the Slack community though, because I've been a part of some of your events in the past and I've enjoyed as a, as both a participant watching some of the events, but also as someone who's speaking, being able to go and chat with the audience afterward. Talk to me a little bit about how the Slack community played into this event in particular. Yeah, we launched the Slack community with the Own Your Growth Virtual Summit. 
we still have it, but that was like the, the big moment nice. for us. Yeah, we created a, a couple of different channels, sales, marketing, job hunt, just like different kind of, of topics and also ask the speaker. So what we did, we asked our speakers to hang out like 15, 20 minutes after their session on Slack and answer any questions that we didn't get to on the show. So yeah. of course we wanted to answer all the questions being live, but it's impossible if there are too many questions. So that was great. That incentivized our um, audience to actually participate in Slack and reach out and they got all their questions answered and also to meet each other. Yeah, great to get your questions answered, but also to network with other people. Yeah, no, that's cool. I noticed on one of your LinkedIn posts about the event that one of your recommendations for anybody running a, a digital event is to try and recreate that feeling of, hey, I can go meet people like you would at a physical event. Is that really the core component was using that Slack community for everybody? Yeah, we were trying to replicate the, the most important piece for most people going to a conference is actually to meet people to, yeah, get in touch. It's tough online, honestly. Yeah. So it was our try to do with Slack. And I think it worked to some point. Of course, it's not the same, but yeah. That's great. If you could do it all over again, let's say tomorrow, Colin comes to you and says, hey, let's do another one of these. And I imagine you're planning more of these. This is not the only attempt because it sounded like a great event. And from my participation, I think it was a phenomenal event. Well done. What would you change about it if you could do it all over again? Yeah, we actually did it all over again on a smaller scale. So more focused on a specific topic in September. So a second one. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing we changed, what we noticed is the first time everything was new. I was like, okay, where are we going to build this conference, the landing page, the emails? There's like a lot of things that go into it. And we had no idea because nobody of us had ever done it. Yeah. Um, and then we found this great um, platform. It's called Hey Summit, which is awesome. It's just like drag and drop. You build all your information in there. It sends email. Everything's automated. Perfect. But the big piece is you lose the traffic. So for the second one, we actually said, okay, we have the capacity, we have the skills, this time we have the time. So we nice. built everything like the event site itself on our own website and in our traffic for that month increased 56%. So that's great. I'm sure that there huge, was an yeah. increase in inbound lead flow that month as well in the following. Yeah, exactly. Oh. Yeah. So I think that's something we'll definitely continue doing for the next ones. So you're owning your growth and you're owning your traffic. I think that's a good move as the next yeah. step. That makes total sense. Exactly. Yeah. Now, obviously the result of that first campaign of own your growth now inspired you to do a second, smaller version. In what other ways has that impacted future campaigns? What have you learned from that? Maybe that you're carrying forward to even smaller non-events or what did you find that was a good learning from that event? Definitely that the value first approach for us was the right one. So it's like when you plan such a big event, what is your goal? Do you want mm -hmm. to mainly focus on sales on revenue? For us, it was like, okay, content first, value first. We want people to come and really walk away with actionable insights. So have great speakers, great topics. And that worked for us. That worked out just fine. So that's definitely something we'll continue doing for everything we're going to plan this year and moving forward. So the content first, and then in the end, it'll pay out. So we actually got a couple of deals, which is great along the way. So yeah, no, that's great. Did you learn anything surprising? Was there anything that you didn't see coming that this event or the campaign surrounding the event taught you? Anything surprising? How much work it is. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah, you mentioned that, but I talked about it on my LinkedIn just a little. We've organized 
a ton of webinars and it's, it seems something so similar, like organizing, it's, it's basically a couple of webinars in one day, but it's actually not. That's something you definitely need to calculate a lot of more time. Something I hadn't planned with, but we learned throughout the event is to plan the post-event strategy, pre-event. It's yeah. like the whole follow-up is crucial to have it timely. Yeah. yeah I think that would be something. Makes total sense. Going from a few webinars in your mind to an actual big full-blown event is quite a difference. I've never personally run an event. I've been participant in an event and I can see how much the inner workings just multiply. It's, it's definitely not just like running a couple of webinars. It makes total sense. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. I'm sure there's a lot of folks who are going to be listening to this episode who will be considering virtual events. It sounds like yours was a hit but that there is definitely a mindset shift from maybe an individual event to a larger scale event. Definitely, yeah. So shifting gears here, getting outside of the, the scope of that campaign, and thanks for telling that story, it was great. What's one thing in your mind, you're thinking about growth marketers, those of us who are trying to grow in any capacity as a marketer, or maybe as a company leader, what's one thing that we should stop doing that we're doing now or start doing that maybe we're not doing yet? Yeah, so what I see a lot of marketers are not doing yet is repurposing content. Or maybe they do it a little bit, like a post or something on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. But really this taking one main piece of content, like kind of the Gary Vee content pyramid, I think that's what he calls it. Yeah. Um, I think that's huge. And that's something we started doing last year and it's been huge for us. Talk to me a little bit about that strategy. Help us uh, maybe with some of the practicals or an example that you've got. Sure. So the Own Your Growth Virtual Conference, we had 12 hours of content, like 20 different sessions. Take only one session, 30 minutes of an interview that you already have. You can turn that into a blog post. And then from the blog post, you can, I don't know, cut out four to five learnings out of the blog post and you can distribute it on all of your social channels. You can add it to an email. Taking the recording again, you can cut out some snippets for social media, like two to three minutes snippets of some things, a key message that your speaker told you about, mm. add some subtitles to it and distribute it on social media. So you really have weeks and weeks of content that you can just, you already have, you just have to use it and you can distribute it throughout all of your channels, which is great. And yeah. So from a, a content marketing perspective, it sounds like that was a big hit then from the event you had so many yeah, hours totally. of content. That's incredible. We're still using it. Yeah. And, and some of your favorite speakers, is there something magnetic about a big event like that versus a webinar where you can get folks who maybe were less likely to participate in a one-on-one -on -one event, like a webinar? Did you get speakers that maybe you were like hopeful speakers that said yes, because it was a bigger event or was it the same reception as a webinar? No, I definitely think it helped that it was something big. Also for, to get some speakers on, it already helped that we had other speakers already confirmed. So sure. I know we had Mark Rupert, we had Beck Holland. There's like a couple of names out there, Justin Michael. So just like a couple of people, really great speakers. And as for the people, I think it also helped get a totally new audience, just like with the type of speakers that we had, because they helped promote it. We sent them for some material to, to help promote the event yeah. and the sponsors as well. So we attract a lot of new people to, to the conference that I guess we wouldn't have otherwise. Makes total sense. Love it. So zooming out from the execution of this campaign and even your advice to growth marketers, let's talk about the structure of your department. Because one of the things I love to learn is how does someone like yourself pull this off? How do you get this all done in such a short period of time? Like what does the team look like currently? And then just how are the responsibilities split up in the team right now? Sure. So our marketing team contains of, we have two designers. So one graphic designer and then one video editor, which helped to make everything look pretty. 
We have a demand gen coordinator and a content like inbound person. So content coordinator. So yeah, the demand gen person, she mainly took over the responsibilities of webinars. Of course, the virtual conference was a big piece, everything in that direction, the content person in social media, blog, our podcast. Yeah. And, and I you- support the team. I was going to ask, how do you support the team? Do you head up any of those projects or are you more coming in with the ideas or what kind of work do you do with them? Both. Yeah, definitely help coming up with ideas and then also jumping in on the execution. I'm still in there with them because that's what I love. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't be as much, but yeah. And then I head up to our head of revenue and we work very closely to the sales reps. Very nice. Okay. Now I'm going to ask this because you mentioned at the very beginning of the, this episode here, you're German, you're living in Mexico. And now everybody has been forced to, to some degree, work with folks who are not in the same physical location as themselves. So this is new for a lot of us. I fortunately have been working remote for a long time, but would love to hear, especially across time zones and borders, any advice, any tips for those of us with global teams, or maybe those who are forced currently due to COVID or other restrictions to work remotely, anything that you found that works particularly well, especially for marketing. I'm curious because there's like collaboration, there's creativity that has to happen that generally we believe, oh, an in-person works so well. Anything that you found that works particularly well for you? Yes, I think the key is to have a good atmosphere within the team. So really dedicate enough times to to meet with the team. I don't know, team lunch, even if it's over Zoom, play some games online. I think if you have a good relationship with your team, everything is easier and the creativity sparks over. Mm. If you're more distant, I think there's a bigger barrier, even though there's already a barrier, just like talking via Zoom or Slack or whatever. So I think that's, I'd say that's the key to actually, yeah, get a lot of things I love that. Yeah. It's just people having fun with people, enjoying working with people. That's going to spark some creativity. Do you use any particular tools for like when you're having a creative moment, do you drop it in Slack? Do you put it on a board somewhere like a task board or anything? How do you guys manage that? Yeah. Project management, we have Asana, but then other than that, we are chatting on Slack basically all day, like about work, but also other stuff. So just like continuously flowing. And then when something spontaneous, I have this great idea, let's jump on Zoom. And then it's literally just, hey, you're free. Let's jump on Zoom. And then we just chat. So we, of course, we have dedicated time to meet one-on-ones and everything. But we, we jump on spontaneous Zoom calls pretty often. That's awesome. Okay, great. Love the advice there. I'm just curious now as we're wrapping up, are there any other marketers that you think of? Oh, my gosh. Like, I look up to her. I look up to him. Anybody that we should invite on the show here? Um, I love Chris Walker stuff and yeah. Dave Gerhardt with this um, GMG group. Yeah. Are you a member of the group? I love. I am. Yes. Very nice. Very totally nice. recommended. Yeah. Dave Gerhardt, Chris Walker, two of my favorites. I will absolutely be inviting them on the show and we appreciate you joining Julia. Thank you so much for your thoughts, for sharing your story of your successful campaign. And we look forward to uh, speaking with you again down the road. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Thanks for listening to Growth Marketing Camp. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would give it a quick five-star rating or share it with a friend or colleague looking to get a little more inspiration for their next campaign. If you want to learn more about the company behind the show, head to opensense.com. That's O-P-E-N-S-E-N-S-E.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.